Welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor. Man, we're so grateful you guys have joined us, whether you're in person or whether you're watching online. We're grateful to have you as well. And uh, man, I just want to celebrate Easter for a second. Uh, we had an incredible weekend, obviously the largest Sunday we've had in at least a year. Um, and we had 24 people make commitments to Christ, which I just think is incredible. Man, getting to see new people come in, getting to see people who haven't been in a while that, that we miss seeing. And uh, man, people, watching people give their lives to Jesus is, uh, is why we do what we do. And as a church, we've got a few ways that, that you can connect with us. Uh, let me give you two of those. Maybe, the, maybe you're newer or uh, you're like, man, I'd love for this to be a home for me, a place where you can build community and discover your purpose and grow in your faith in Jesus. Uh, a couple opportunities you have. We have uh, something coming up called Next step with Front Range, um, and that's kind of a, a way to f figure out more about who we are, uh, maybe your place here, how God's wired you, your purpose, community, all of that stuff. So if you've never been to that, uh, we encourage you to go. You can check the Front Range box on that Connect card that Pastor Mike just talked about, uh, or you can go to frontrange.info and you can get more information there. And if you were one of the, uh, the people that, that uh, recently have given their lives over to Christ or made a recommitment to Christ, or maybe you're like me and you were baptized as an infant uh, and that wasn't your decision, but you want to make your proclamation of faith public, uh, then we're going to have a baptism in a couple weeks. And we'd love for you to, to be a part of that. Uh, if you feel like that's your next step in your faith journey, you can uh, check the baptism box on your Connect card as well, or go to frontrange.info. And we'd love to give you all the information that, uh, that you need for that. But man, we're just grateful uh, for what God's doing in our midst. And uh, last week, we started a new series called Who Is This Man? Where we're looking at the seven I am statements of Jesus. An I am statement is where Jesus says, I am. Uh, and that's kind of a God statement. It's him saying, I'm fully man and fully God at the same time. And then he finishes it with something. And last week we looked at, I am the resurrection and the life. He also said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So he's saying, hey, I'm God, but this is how this, uh, who I am, this statement, how it impacts you and your life. Uh, and today, here's what I firmly believe. I, I believe that you're going to find your story, I'm going to find my story, and the story that we look at. Let me start off by asking a question by show of hands. And those of you watching online, just do a little raise hand emoji. Uh, by show of hands, how many of you have ever experienced something in life where you thought, man, I hope this never ends? Anybody ever have that? Yeah, all, all of us. All of us have had that. For, for some of you, maybe it was a trip. Maybe it was your honeymoon or maybe it was a vacation. You thought, man, I don't want to get back to reality. I don't want to get back to normal life. Maybe for some of you, maybe it was a date. Maybe it was your first date or something like that. Some of you just laughed. I don't know that, how bad that date was. But um, uh, maybe, uh, maybe for others of you, maybe if you're an introvert, uh, the, most of the world is made up of introverts. Maybe you were like, lockdown was that for me. When we were locked down a year ago, like I could stay there forever. I'm an extrovert, so I hated it. Uh, but some of you introverts, maybe you, you loved it. Or maybe if you're a parent, uh, and maybe I'm just the only one. So might, this might just be a, a confessional uh, time period. But as a parent, have you ever like tried to find like a, a quiet space? Like gone into the bathroom and like locked the door, like locked the closet. Some of you were like, I just, God, give me like five minutes. And you never want that time, that quietness to end. Maybe it was a spiritual experience. Maybe you had an experience at a church or a worship moment or maybe God did a miracle and you're like, man, I never want this to end. If you've ever had that experience before, then maybe you've caught yourself at times daydreaming about it. Maybe you've caught yourself trying to recreate 
that moment. If we go back to this spot, then, then maybe we'll fall in love again. If we'll just do this, then maybe I'll be happy. If I'll just do this, then maybe I'll experience the life that I want to. And all of us do this. And in fact, there's a theory out there called the theory of repetitive hedonism. And the theory of repetitive hedonism says this, that when you experience something in your life that is, that is just great, I mean, it produces like this high for you, you want it again and again and again. So you'll do whatever it takes to try to recreate that moment. It, it might be why you'll, you'll sit there and listen to your favorite song from 1997, right? Because it brings you back to like this certain time in your life that you just were like, man, that was a great time in my life. That's the theory of repetitive hedonism. And guess what? We all do it, and we do it spiritually as well. We have that experience at, at a particular church, and we'll hear it from people like, I'm just trying to find the church that I went to back at this because it was a certain experience that people had or a worship moment that people had, this, this moment with God, this intimate encounter with God. Maybe some of you had it last week at Easter, or, or maybe it was a miracle that God did in your life or a miracle you saw God do in somebody else's life, and you're like, man, I want that, and you try to recreate that moment. Well, we're no different than the people back in Jesus' time. They, they did the same thing. So let's look at their story. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, no worries. It's going to be up on the screen. And, man, I love this chapter. It's one of the most fascinating chapters, I think, in Scripture. At the beginning of the chapter, you've got Jesus, and he's got a bunch of followers. In fact, we're, we're about to be told that he's got 5,000 men that are sitting there listening to him teach. Now, most scholars would say if there was 5,000 men, then if you include the women and the children that were in the crowd, there were between 15 and 20,000 people sitting there listening to Jesus teach. And we're told that they're there because of all the miracles that he's done. Well, as these people are sitting around listening to his te him teach, his disciples come up and they say, hey, Jesus, man, these people are hungry. Like, you got to let them, let them go home, go feed themselves. And, and Jesus says, you give them something to eat. Like, we don't have enough money to buy that much food to feed fifteen to 20,000 people. And Jesus says, well, what do you have? And they look around, they find this little boy. He's got like a, a Lunchable, basically. And so he says, well, bring me the Lunchable. And he turns this Lunchable into a feast for fifteen to 20,000 people. An incredible situation. You imagine, and they, the Bible even tells us they picked up basketfuls of food left over. And so right after that, Jesus, he's... Man, you know, he's kind of like that parrot needing that, that place to just get away. So he goes off to spend time in prayer and, and by himself with his heavenly father. And he sends the disciples in, in a boat across the Sea of Galilee to a place called Capernaum. And then the night comes and all the people that are there, the fifteen to 20,000 people, a lot of them just stayed there. They're just kind of hoping like the next morning Jesus will appear and start teaching them more and whatnot. But the next morning comes and there's no Jesus. He's not even the place of solitude that he was at the night before. What happened? Well, Jesus actually in the middle of the night, he walks on water to his disciples. He calms the storm, and then they end up in Capernaum. So when the people realize Jesus is no longer there, but we don't know how, you know, we don't know where he is. They discover he's in Capernaum. How did he get there? They get in their boats. They travel across the Sea of Galilee to this city as well. They get there. More people join the crowd. And then they ask Jesus three questions. Number one, Jesus, when did you get here? I mean, last time we saw you, you were by yourself. You sent off your disciples. Like, what in the world happened? And they begin to hear grumblings of maybe Jesus actually walked on water. It's like, is that even possible? And the second question they ask, oh, and Jesus, with that question, he doesn't answer the question. When did you get here, Jesus? What he actually says to him is, you're seeking the miracle more than you're seeking the miracle worker. 
You're seeking some experience. You're seeking some moment more than you're seeking me. So the people are like, okay, well, let me ask you a second question. What must we do to please God? How do we get right with God? And Jesus answers it this way. He says, believe in the one whom he sent. So he says, believe in me. That's all you have to do. And then they ask a third question, which I find fascinating. Fascinating because, okay, get, you have to get down to the, the, the situation that's happening. The people that are following him are only following him because of all the miracles that he's done. So they've seen him heal people. They've seen him bring people back from the dead. They just experienced him turning a little Lunchable into a meal that could feed 15 to 20,000 people. And then he was over here. His disciples are across the sea. And somehow he got over there and they're hearing that he walked on water. So that's the setup. And so they say, well, if we're going to believe in you, here's the third question. What sign are you going to perform so that we'll believe in you? Think about how crazy that is. Hey, Jesus, I know that you've raised people from dead. You've healed people. You just gave us a whole bunch of food when you had none. But what sign are you going to perform so that I'll believe in you now? And Jesus says, then they say, can you give us some bread? They're going right back to that last experience, that last miracle, that last thing Jesus has done for them. Can you give us some bread? And Jesus says, hey, my heavenly Father has already given you bread from heaven. And here's where we pick up with the story, verse 34. Sir, they said, Always give us this bread. You said your heavenly father has given us bread. Can we have it every day? Like every moment of every day. Can we just, can we always have this bread so we'll never go hungry again? Always give us this bread. Jesus says this. He declared, I am the bread of life. It's one of those I am statements, those God statements. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. So they say, well, Jesus, give us this bread. I mean, that, that sounds like a good, good plan, like you just fed us, but give us food every single day. And Jesus says, but I am the bread of life, that anyone who comes to me will never be hungry again. Anyone who believes in me will never be thirsty again. But you don't believe this. I mean, it sounds so simple, right? I mean, Jesus doesn't say, hey, you have to jump through all these religious hoops. Hey, you have to do all these good works. Hey, you have to, to do all these certain things that maybe, maybe churches or synagogues back then were teaching. But all you have to do is come to me and believe in me. Sounds really, really simple. And yet, look at verse 60. We're told on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Hold on, Jesus. So you're saying that, all we got to do is come to you and believe in you, like have a relationship with you, follow you. That's what you're saying. But Jesus, all we want are a few miracles. Just give us the bread. Give us some bread. Like feed me every single day. Just give me that. That's, that's all I need. But now you're saying I've got to actually come to you. I've got to believe in you. I've got to actually follow you. Uh, I'm not sure. Verse 66, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Now, when it says his disciples, he's not talking about the 12 disciples. Most scholars would say at this point there were a couple hundred, maybe a couple thousand people who would say, I was a disciple of Jesus. And so Jesus says, if you want to be made right with God, just come to me, believe in me. Just follow my teachings. Follow what I tell you to do. And they're like, ah, but we just wanted miracles. We're good. And they walk away. And it makes me ask this question about not just these people but about ourselves. Are we chasing the miracles of Christ 
or following the person of Christ. You see, fast forward to a couple thousand years to where we are sitting today, and I wonder if we're very similar to those same people, if we're just chasing the, the miracles, the experience, that moment, or if we're following the person. It's a lot like a vending machine. I, I, everybody loves vending. This is my little personal vending machine. Everybody loves vending machines. I, I firmly believe that every person, you'll never say that out loud because that sounds weird, that you love a vending machine, but you do, right? Because when you get around a vending machine, what do you do? You look inside of it. You want to know what's in there. And if you look in there and there's healthy stuff, you're like, eh, maybe not. But you look in there and you see something else, you're like, man, I didn't realize I was hungry and I wanted that Kit Kat. You know, or I didn't realize I was starving for a Butterfinger right now, but I am. We all love vending machines. That's my personal vending machine. It's got jelly beans in there. Anybody like jelly beans? Anybody? Okay. Okay. That's more than all the other services. Uh, they were just too tired. Um, I, I love, and these are Brock's, so they're, they're the best jelly beans, right? And all you got to do is you just pull this little, little level lever right there. And so I've got a bunch of jelly beans in here, and you've got a couple reds, which are okay. You've got pink, which... Uh, I'm not a fan of. You got green, orange, and I, I'm colorblind. I think that's purple. But none of these I like. I don't like any of these jelly beans. And so I just put it back in and pull the lever again. It's still green. Yellow. Why do they make yellow? White. By the way, white is the most disgusting jelly bean there is. Can I get an amen from somebody? From somebody? Y'all just laugh at me. So I'm just going to keep pulling it till I get the one that I want. There it is. Can you see it? It's the black one. That's the greatest jelly bean ever to be made. And here, now here's the deal. I know I, I've gotten booed at every service because I said that, but let me ask you this. What other jelly bean has its own bag, right? You can't buy all red jelly beans. You can't buy all white jelly beans, but you can buy all black jelly beans. And if you don't like black jelly beans, then you put them off to the side and I get to eat them. So they are the best jelly bean. And I'll keep pulling this lever until I find the black jelly bean. So I get what I want. I think so many times we treat Jesus like he's a vending machine. Like we just do the right thing, we say the right prayer, we pull the right lever, and if we just pull it enough times, then maybe, maybe we'll get the one that we want. And we treat Jesus like he's supposed to give us what we want, what we desire in that moment. We treat him just like a vending machine. Just give me, I'll put in what I need. I'll put the money in or I'll pull the lever. You just give me what I want. And some of you may be thinking, Ernest, I, I, don't, I don't do that. I think all of us have done this. I think back to when I first got married and I was a youth pastor and our services were on Wednesday nights and uh, that's when I would preach. And so I really wanted God to bless my preaching. I wanted God to anoint my preaching and, and make it powerful and all that stuff. And so I'd preach on Wednesday night and then Thursday would be a normal day, Friday a normal day, Saturday a normal day. Then Sunday would come around and I would say to my wife, Sarah, hey, Sarah, we got to do a devotional. And then I'd do a devotional Monday night. And I do a devotional Tuesday night. Because if I somehow showed God that, that I was the spiritual leader, that I was doing the right things in my family, then God surely would bless me with helping me preach well on Wednesday night. I wasn't doing a devotional because that's what I needed to do with my wife and lead her and whatnot. I was doing it so God would give me favor. I was doing it so I would get the black jelly bean. Or in your case, not the black jelly bean. I just wanted something from him. And that may sound like an extreme example, but haven't we done this in other areas of life? 
I mean, have you ever been a student and said, God, if you'll just help me pass this test, then I'll name it? I remember when I was in high school, I remember praying, God, if you'll just let this girl say yes to dating me, then I'll make sure I do everything the right way. And in the words of the great theologian Garth Brooks, some of God's greatest gifts are what? Thank you. Four of you know that. Four of you. Some of you need to study theologians a little bit more. <laughs> Haven't we done that, though, if we say, hey, God, get us, if you just get me out of this situation, if you get me out of this ticket, if you get me out of this relationship, if you just get me out of this, then I'll do this for you. Or, God, if you'll just heal my mom, or if you'll just heal me, then I'll live my life in this way. If I just do the right things, say the right, if I come to church at Easter, if I come to church a couple times a month, then God, you'll heal my marriage or you'll bring my husband back to faith or my wife back to faith or you'll help my kids, whatever. God, if I just pull the right level, lever, then surely you've got to give me what I want. I hear this all the time and not only have I lived it, but I hear it. I'll hear people say something like, man, I've done all the right things. So why isn't God fill in the blank? I've done all the right things. I, I believe the right things. I'm praying the right. I mean, doesn't the Bible say if you pray in the name of Jesus, then he'll answer your prayers? I pray in the name of Jesus. Why doesn't he answer my prayers? And we just treat Jesus like a vending machine. And when you treat Jesus like a vending machine, we end up living out verse 66. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. What do you mean, Jesus? You're not going to give us more miracles? You're not going to give us bread on a daily basis? You're talking about come to you and follow after you, but I just want a few things from you. So if I do the right things and say the right prayers and pull the right lever, then, then surely you should give me what I want. And if you don't give me what I want, then maybe you're not good. Maybe you're not faithful. Maybe you're not loving. And so I'll walk. When we treat Jesus like a vending machine and we don't get what we want, then he ceases in our minds to be good or to be faithful. But I think God is asking us, are we chasing after a miracle, or the miracles of Christ, or are we trying to follow the person of Christ? Let me tell you two things that happen when you follow the person of Christ. The first thing that happens when you follow the person of Christ is that you will see the miracles of Christ every day. And when you follow the person of Christ, then the miracles of Christ are seen every day. Every day. I think back to Easter. Man, what an incredible service we had here and experience. The whole day, it was really, really incredible. And right after church, I texted a bunch of my friends who are all pastors. And some of these guys I coach. And some of them, I'm overseers at their church. And some of them are just buddies of mine. And I just said, hey, man, how was your Easter? And I do this every Easter, and uh, every Easter, most of the guys will say it was really good, but there's always a few that were like, eh, it wasn't that great of an Easter. I had higher expectations or whatever the case may be. But this Easter, everyone was like, man, it was incredible. Like we had the best weekend. It was unbelievable. We saw so many new people, so many people coming back. We saw so many people give their lives to Christ. It was really, really incredible, Ernest. I'm like, man, that's awesome. But the miracle wasn't only on Easter. You see, as these guys followed Christ in their everyday lives, God gave them miracles every day. He gave them the miracle of, of strength when they wanted to quit throughout this last year. He gave them the miracle of grace 
When people left their church, quit their church for a variety of reasons, he gave them grace in that moment. He gave them the miracle of provision. When finances weren't coming in, they were able to sustain themselves because of his provision. He gave them the miracle of wisdom when they lost their buildings or their meeting space. I mean, the miracles were happening every single day, and we want these huge miracles. We want these big things to happen, but God's going, but I'm doing something every day. Every day I'm producing miracles in your life, and if you follow Christ, then you'll begin to see those miracles every single day. I think about our own church, and man, this time last year, we were only meeting online, and we didn't know what to do. We were like, God, we have no clue. Like, you've got to give us wisdom. He began to, to, give, us the, to give, give us wisdom and creativity. So we started having drive-in services. And, and then, you know, eventually there was a couple in our church that said uh, to the leaders here at Renaissance, hey, my church doesn't have a meeting space. And they're like, we're a charter school. We can kind of do whatever we want. Come here. And we're like, awesome. And I know Renaissance is not how it actually works. But yes, it is. Um, and, and so it gave us the miracle of that provision. And as buddies of mine, we're having to lay off 30 to 40% of their staff. We haven't had to lay off one staff member. Pastor Mike just talked about Vision 2020. And in the midst of a pandemic, like the second year of our two-year campaign, all of the money was raised. Are you kidding me? Like God's going, I'm doing miracles every day. Just follow me. Don't ask for the bread every day. Seek the bread of life. He will fulfill you. If you come to him, you'll never go hungry again. If you come to him, you'll never be thirsty. He'll bring you life. And so here's what I want to challenge you to do over the, the course of this next week. I want you to write down this challenge. Write it in your phone. Write it down on a piece of paper or whatever. If you have a really good memory, maybe you'll remember. But the challenge is this. I want you to spend just a few moments. And I want you to think back to your life over the last year. And I want you to write down at least 10 everyday God miracles. Things that other people may go, that doesn't seem like that much of a miracle. But you go, man, this was God. Like I talk to people that will say, hey, Ernest, in the last year, man, we haven't really been hit financially. In fact, maybe our financial situation has gotten better. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like that's a miracle. Like in the midst of a pandemic and your financial situation has gotten better, then I have other people say, man, Ernest, we've been hit really hard financially, but because of the food pantry, because of the generosity of this church, because of other things in the community that God has sustained, that's a miracle. That's like every day God choosing to give you something, to provide for you in some way, to give you community that will speak the right word at the right time, whatever it may be, like write down the 10 everyday miracles. And I promise you this, when you do that, you'll reflect on the goodness of God. And even when you've been praying, you've been hoping for this one thing, even when you keep, keep pulling out this lever thinking that black jelly bean will be there, you just realize that he's there every day. And his goodness and his faithfulness are there every day. So when you follow the person of Christ, the miracles of Christ are seen every day. The second thing that happens when you follow the person of Christ is we produce the fruit of God. When you follow the person of Christ, you produce the fruit of God. Of God. I, I love this passage in John chapter 15. It's our second I am statement for today. And we, we read it earlier. It says this I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, Pastor Johnny just did uh, an incredible message on this passage a little over a year ago. And so if you get our, our weekly emails, we're going to send that out on Tuesday. Um, if you don't get our weekly emails, fill out that Connect card that Pastor Mike talked about. Put your email address on there. And we'll make sure, and you'll get it this, this Tuesday. 
Uh, if you haven't heard that message, man, go listen to it. He dissects this whole chapter and does a really good job. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to encourage you to go watch that. But with me, when I read this and I see that Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, you'll bear much fruit. I think, man, what fruit? Is the fruit that he's talking about, does that mean like prosperity? Does that mean wealth? Does that mean I'm going to be really good at my job? Does that mean my, my marriage is going to be here? Like what, what prosperity, what, what fruit am I going to receive? Well, then you jump over to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, and we see what fruit we can produce in our lives. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm going to read this passage again. I'm going to read through those nine again. And I want you to identify one of those that you'd say, man, I, I could really grow in that area. Now, I know the right answer is I can grow in all those areas, but just pick one. What's one area that you'd go, you know what? It would do my soul some good. It would probably do some people around me some good if I grew in this area. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The one that I would choose is gentleness. My wife's in the service. She can say amen to that. I need some more gentleness with my kids right now. And how I talk to them and how I respond to them. I need to grow in this area. I need to grow in gentleness. Which part, which fruit of the Spirit do you need to grow in? How do you grow in it? I mean, if you chose patience, you said, man, I really need to grow in patience. Guess what? You're going to be stuck in a lot of traffic in the next few days. Just the reality. But being stuck in traffic, hear me on this, being stuck in traffic doesn't produce patience. It produces anger and all kinds of other feelings. You don't produce the fruit of the Spirit by being put in those situations. You produce the fruit of the Spirit by remaining in Jesus. So when you remain in Jesus and you get stuck in traffic, then he can give you peace. He can give you patience. He can give you calmness in that moment. But it's because you're remaining in him. You're going to him. So how do we remain in Jesus? How do we, we run to him? Well, there's a few ways you can do it. There's a lot of ways you could do it. I'm going to list just a few that might be pertinent to your situation, might be the next step that God's calling you to take. One is community. One way that you can remain in Christ is through community, through building relationships with others. Maybe you've been missing that. It's the key. I was talking to person earlier today and they said, man, I've just been missing community. I've been missing people that will build me up. And here's what I'll say. Uh, the, you will become the sum of the five people closest to you. So evaluate those five closest relationships. And if you'd say, I want to be like those people, then keep hanging out with them. If they're pursuing Christ, keep hanging out with them. But if not, don't ditch them forever, but just pull in five closer people who are pursuing Christ, who do want to have community with you and lead you and guide you and speak words of life to you and all of that. If you need help finding community, you can just check the community box card on, uh, on the Connect card and uh, man, we'll follow up with you to tell you about the community groups that we have, the classes that we have, all the things that we've got going on. We've got a men's hike this summer. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff happening that will help you with community. Maybe for some of us, it's attending church. 
I had a bunch of people last week that said, man, Ernest, thank you for helping me draw the line in the sand as I talked about. And like we've just kind of been holding church at, you know, kind of a distance because of habit for many of us. But we're saying no more. And even today, I mean, the earlier two services packed with people because people are just going, no more. No more. And for me, like church is essential to remaining in Christ. It's essential. Worship is another one of those things for me that's essential. Like for me every day, and this probably isn't you, but for me every day I've got to listen to some worship. Because i got to like get my mind off of all the other craziness going on around me, all the craziness that happens inside of me. And man, I just got to focus on him. So for me, worship is a big piece. Maybe it's getting a reading plan. We talked two weeks ago about how you could download the Bible app, and on the Bible app, there's reading plans. If you go to the reading plans, you could do a search. And so if you'd say, any one of those fruit of the Spirit is one of the ones I need to grow in, just type that word in. So if I need to grow in love, just type the word love into the, the search for reading plans, and a bunch of reading plans about love will come up. If you go, I want to grow in gentleness, then just type the word gentleness into the search bar and a bunch of reading plans for gentleness will pop up. Whatever area you need to grow in, just type it in there. And then as you read God's word, as you spend time with Jesus, you will produce the fruit of God. So are we chasing the miracles of Christ or are we following the person of God? If you're chasing the miracles of Christ, if you're chasing that experience, that moment, that, that thing that you want to have happen, if you're chasing that, you'll never be filled. You'll always be empty because there's always something else that you need. There's always another miracle. There's always another experience. So that's what Jesus was saying. You want bread, but I am the bread of life. If you come to me, you'll never be hungry again. If you believe in me, you'll never thirst again. He will fill us up. May we not seek the miracles, the moments, the experience, the feeling. May we, may we chase after, follow after, go after him. And if we do, we'll see the miracles of Christ every day in our lives. And we'll begin to produce the fruit of God in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and... I thank you for your word, God. I thank you so much that we can find our story and the story of so many people in scripture. And so God, I thank you for these individuals that, God, there's so much like me in so many ways where, God, I, there's been many times where I've just wanted you to do something. Just wanted you to produce something in my life rather than actually just following after you. So God, I pray in this moment that, Father, you would help me to pursue after you with everything that I've got. Father, if you answer my prayers in the, the way that I want or not, you're still good. If you give me what I think I need or not, you're still faithful. And I'll trust in you. I'll follow after you. And I pray, Father, for each individual in this room, God, we know that every single week, every single service, God, we have people who come through these doors or maybe they're watching online right now. That if we're being real honest, we say, you know what, Ernest, I came in here and I feel spiritually disconnected. I feel like me and God aren't on the same page, that we're far away from one another. Maybe, maybe it's because you've been doing it on your own power. You've been trying to do it your own pace in your own way. And you just feel empty. You feel drained. You don't feel fulfilled. 
maybe for some of us, maybe you've just, you have been just seeking that experience, seeking that moment, seeking that miracle. And God's saying, just seek me. If that's you with every head bowed and every eyes closed, if you'd say, you know what, Ernest, I, I walked into this place kind of feeling a little empty, but man, I want to be filled. I, I want to truly come to and believe in Jesus. Maybe it's a first time commitment. Maybe it's a recommitment. And saying, I don't want to do it on my own anymore. I want to be filled by him today. If that's you, I just want you to raise a hand. I know I'm praying for you. Father, thank you for each one of these individuals. Thank you for what you're doing in their heart and their lives. I thank you, Father, that you know them by name. And if you're watching online, you're like, man, I'm there, and just text the word follow to the number on the screen. But I want you to know that God sees you and that God is so proud of you for having the courage to raise your hand. He knows what you're going through. And he wants to fill you. He wants to be the bread of life to you. So you'll never be hungry again. You'll never thirst again. And then, Father, for all of us, tell us what we're to do next, what our next step is. Father, so that we can see those miracles every day. And, Father, so we'll produce that fruit of God. In Jesus' name.